It's Herb Alper in the Tijuana Brass. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. As he is on most Mondays, my guest this Monday is Managing Editor Dave Cameron. And what follows, the listener can expect to find the crack analysis for which Mr. Dave Cameron has become world famous. Among the topics discussed, a rational explanation for the Red Sox trade of Marco Scudero to the Colorado Rockies for not particularly impressive right-hander Clayton Mortensen, what said trade has to do with free agent right-hander Roy Oswalt, the Victor Martinez injury, how the Tigers will react to that, and how it affects their chances in the AL Central. And lastly, uh, but actually chronologically, uh, firstly, a discussion of Dave Cameron's second appearance on MLB Network's Clubhouse Confidential, which airs tonight, Monday night, 5.30 p.m. Eastern and 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Very, very exciting stuff. And it's all right now with Dave Cameron and Fangraphs Audio. But I'm talking about the Scudero trade. I'm talking about uh, Linscombe turning down a reported five-year, $100 million deal in the history of $100 million pitchers. Uh, and I'm talking about relievers as closers. So, like, can any generic middle reliever just move to the closers role and succeed? So I, don't, I think, like, they're pre-taping some stuff for tomorrow. So uh, I don't think all of this is going to air today. But it sounds like they're uh, trying to get some mileage out of me. Uh, did you... Uh you bring in any uh, lessons learned from your from your first appearance? Uh, yeah, blink. I didn't really think it was, that was that bad. I mean, I mean, well, I didn't it, blink at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I it, that didn't. I mean, it, it was mostly the face part of your your body that was, uh, I thought, the most distressing part. Yeah. Did you uh, catch the itching nose? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Right at, right at the beginning, yeah, I was, I was hoping that they, like, because there's no, you know, there was no camera on or anything. I just was like, oh crap, I'm, I'm, they're talking to me. I think I just itched my nose, and then they, they, it made the cut. And I was like, ah. <laughs> well, don't itch your nose. I guess that's the big lesson. Right. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. We learn. Yeah. Well, actually, that's interesting that you bring up Scudero because I was kind of interested in talking about Scudero. Are, are we allowed to go into that? Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, because... Uh, MLB Network didn't buy my opinions. Oh, they... <laughs> like, I, I can still talk about things that I'm going to talk about there uh, with us. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, the Scooter thing is weird, right? So over the weekend, uh, so I'll say what I know, and then you say all of the things there are to know besides that, which theoretically <laughs> be be <laughs> a lot. Um, right. Red Sox traded Marco Scudero, who is probably something like a league average shortstop, do six million dollars in 2012 for Clayton Mortensen. Yes. This after trading um, Jed Lowry, who's probably yeah. something like a league average shortstop. Well, that's debatable, but has some potential, sure. Right, some upside, and also Kyle Wayland for Mark right. Melanson. Mark Melanson, yeah. Or whatever, leaving the Red Sox. With some combination of Nick Punto and then maybe Jose Iglesias. No, I think Mike Avilas is going to be. Oh, Mike, too, so. right, Mike Avilas, and then Jose Iglesias is a minor leaguer in their system. Yes, with good defense and no bat. All right, so that's where we're at. That's where it leaves them. I, I mean, at the face of it, it's hard not to say the Rockies won in terms of you know contract swapping. 
and you know value per contract. But so what's the why did the trade happen? Well, the Red Sox uh, clearly want Roy Oswalt. I mean, like uh, you know, we talked about uh, last week on the site how Oswalt's price has fallen to a level that is just kind of ridiculous. Like eight million for one year of Roy Oswalt uh, is a massive bargain. And I wrote a whole article about how Oswalt might be the steal of the winter. The Red Sox, I think, clearly agree and are uh, have set their sights on acquiring Oswalt for their rotation. But because of uh, payroll constraints, they apparently didn't have $8 million to give Roy Oswalt, so they gave away Marco Scudero in order to clear up money to sign Roy Oswalt. So from the Red Sox perspective, they traded Scudero for the potential to sign Roy Oswalt, and I think they wouldn't have done this deal and completed it unless they were fairly sure they could get him. Um, so my full expectation is that Oswalt's going to sign with the Red Sox, and, and Boston will basically swap to shortstop for a starting pitcher. Okay, so we could say the drop-in wins from... Uh, you know, approximately a full season of uh, Marco Scudero to Punto and Avilas is uh, what? What is that? Do you think? Maybe a win at most. I mean, I I, I get that Scudero is a pretty nice player who's had some pretty good years, but he's also 35 uh, and he's a very low power guy. So he's the kind of guy who, if his Babbitt um, drops at all, he's he's in trouble. Um, so I think there's significant downside with Scudero. I probably wouldn't be comfortable projecting him for better than two, two and a half war for next year. Uh, and Punto is, you know, for all those making fun of him that he can't hit, is one of the best defensive infielders in all of baseball. Uh, is really, he's really a terrific love guy. Um, and as a left-handed batter, you know, he's not completely atrocious against right-handers. Uh, and Avilas is actually pretty good against lefties. So it's not the world's worst platoon to have a really good glove guy who hits left-handed and can play most days, and then a pretty decent bat guy who can you know mash lefties pretty well and uh, fill in uh, fill in the blanks. And so the two of them sharing time, I think you know you could probably get a, a win to two win out of those guys, and that's not going to be that much worse than Scudero. Um, so I think they looked at it and said, are we better off with Punto and uh, Avila starting, or with you know Carlos Silva or a member of the flop, some of minor league guys? Uh, joining our rotation, and I think they said, you know, the the Punto Avila platoon is better than what we have as in our starting rotation right now. Okay, right, and that starting rotation, we'd look at it just briefly, is definitely Lester and Beckett, one, yep. two, um, and then the, I mean, question marks start with Clay Buckle. It's not necessarily because of um, health, I guess, but his performances have varied wildly in in his short career. Well, and health is an issue, too. I mean, he missed most of last season. So I think you have performance and health issues in Buckles. Right. I mean, if he's healthy, what sort of pitcher is he? Because I uh, I remember reading, was it uh, maybe before last season? I think it was. Maybe uh, um, I'm misattributing, I'm sure. Dave Allen, maybe, or Jeremy Greenhouse, someone did um, you know, a pitch effects analysis of Buckles. And he essentially had, like, totally changed his release point. And it, it made him a different pitcher because, like, during his – was it his no-hitter, he had like this hammer curve that when he went to, I think, maybe more of a three-quarter style release point, uh, he lost it entirely but became like this ground ball pitcher. Right. Uh, Buckholz is an interesting guy. I mean, you know, if you believe that he's a uh, guy who can get weak contact, which some Boston fans believe, uh, then, you know, he's probably a three- or four-win pitcher. If he's a guy whose weak contact history is something of a fluke, uh, then he's probably closer to a two-win pitcher. He's more of an average guy. I mean, his walk rates are okay. His strikeout rates are okay. They're nothing special. If he's good at, hit, at preventing hits, if he's uh, one of those guys who can beat his peripherals, 
Uh, then he could be an above average starter. If he's if he's not one of those guys, then he's something closer to average-ish with health concerns, and that's not a great number three. Okay, and then uh, you know provisional four and five starters in a in a rotation that doesn't include Oswald. Uh, you're looking at maybe uh, Alfredo Aceves and Daniel Bard. I think those would probably be the front runners of the uh, guys who were on the team last year. Uh, the Red Sox have collected about 47 uh, minor league invite type guys. Uh, you know, Carlos Silva is probably the big name of that pile, but they've got a pile of guys with major league experience, and I think they're probably hoping that uh, one of those guys can be their version of Freddie Garcia or Bartolo Colon this year, where they pick a guy off the scrap heap and he gives them, you know, 100 or 150 good innings. But uh, I would say Bard and Aceves are probably. Uh, penciled in as the four or five guys right now, and then uh, you know the the pile behind them provides some depth. And then when does my man uh, Chris Balcom Miller get a chance to join the starting rotation? Uh, I don't know. When do you take over the Red Sox? <laughs> well, um, Mike Newman is also a big fan. Uh, scouting the Sally really liked his stuff uh, when he saw him in 2010. I'm telling you, I'm really selling this Chris Balcom Miller, Dave Cameron. Uh, you've been sold on him for a while. This is not the first time I've heard you singing his praises. I, I will say that I think the over-under on Balcom Miller starts for the Red Sox in the majors this year is zero, and I, I might take the under. You're going to take a negative number? I, I would take a negative number uh, just to annoy you. Hmm. It does annoy me. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right. I will tell our listeners Chris Balcom Miller. He's a he's a pitcher with a lot of movement on his fastball. He's produced uh, crazy ground ball numbers in the minors. Uh, does he have an excellent out pitch? No. He has a decent changeup though, and his fastball is not very slow. It's 89 to 92, which I think is reasonable, especially for the amount of movement it has on it. So I've said my piece, yeah. Dave Cameron. Right. I mean, I, I'm not anti Chris Balcom Miller. I just think that the uh, given the Red Sox went to win this year, they're going. They're, I mean, there's a reason they're pushing hard for Oswald. They gave away their starting shortstop in order to get him, is because they don't want him to turn to Chris Balcom Miller in a pennant race. Right. Like they did. Uh, I mean, by the end of last season, uh, I think Kyle Wayland had become like an important part of the rotation. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to do that again. Right. All right. Um, well, there's that. So, so essentially, what we're seeing is a trade. Of Marco Scudero, I mean, in, in theory, a trade of Marco Scudero for Roy Oswald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Clayton Mortensen is uh, horrible. <laughs> so the fact that the Red Sox were willing to take an atrocious pitcher in return uh, tells you this was clearly just a salary dump. They didn't trade Scudero for anything of value, really. Uh, they wanted the $6 million that was on the books uh, to pay Scudero so they could give it to Oswald. And uh, I mean, the steal, I think, needs to be seen as. Uh, Scudero for the player to be named later that they use Scudero's money on. And uh, makes the makes the Rockies better. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Rockies are basically the beneficiary of uh, waiting a really long time. I mean, I think there's, you know, two months ago, if the Red Sox had said, like, Marco Scudero's available, you would have had the Braves interested and the Brewers interested and, you know, maybe the Cardinals and a bunch of these teams that were in the market for a short-term shortstop, uh, you know, to kind of hold the position down for a year. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of teams who are probably willing to give up, maybe not like a great prospect, but something of value and absorb the whole contract. But now that all those teams have already signed guys and the Brewers are stuck with Alex Gonzalez and, uh, you know, like uh, everyone's kind of already made their bet at this point, so they're not willing to displace the guys they've already given money and jobs to. So uh, the Rockies are the uh, empty chair when the music stops and they get free Marco Scudero. Right, yeah, roughly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it all works out for them and, and because they also had very little going at second base 
prior to the trade. I think some combination of uh, Johnny Herrera, maybe Eric Young Jr., um, that fellow who uh, plays shortstop poorly, Chris Nelson. Um, <laughs> they didn't really have – I mean, they did not really have that much. You know, I think that's actually how they introduce him in Colorado is now batting that fellow who plays shortstop badly, Chris Nelson. <laughs> yeah, I remember looking, I think, uh, maybe at his Oliver projections last year for defense. and um, They were – they were. I mean, they were hoppian, at least a short, though. You know, I mean, maybe he can handle yeah. in a field corner, but his bat can't. So, um, right. so that certainly helps the Rockies and um, it gives them some stability there. Um We've uh, yeah so so I guess Oswald would what he would take over the three or four spot and that would give them three pretty decent pitchers and then a question mark next to Clay Buckles. Right yeah I mean I think you know Beckett Lester uh, Oswald Buckles has a lot of potential to be really good and so that's the kind of rotation that you can dream on and say if all these guys are healthy and Oswald's back is fine and Buckles is fine and uh, you know Beckett and Lester are what they should should be uh, that's a really high-quality playoff rotation that you can match up with the Angels, you can match up with the Rangers, you can match up with the Yankees. Like, that, that's a good pitching staff. And uh, there's certainly risks with uh, all those guys, and it's not a rotation that you say, absolutely, this is uh, Roy Halladay, Cliff Lee, and Cole Amels, and, you know, we're going to the show. But uh, it's, it's a rotation with upside, and I think that's what the Red Sox want. Uh, also, um, I think maybe in the meantime, since we've talked, perhaps not, um, both uh, Carl Crawford and um, the prospective right fielder in uh, another outfield type. Ryan Kalish? Right, for the Red Sox. It, it, it appears as though both of them will be missing the beginning of the season. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, at, least, at the very least, Crawford's going to get a really late start in spring training, so it's not 100% sure that he will be unhealthy at the beginning of the year, but he might just not have not gotten enough spring training at bats to to be ready for the opening of the season. Right. So Ryan Sweeney is probably going to get a bunch of reps somewhere. Uh, I mean, some combination of Ryan Sweeney, Darnell McDonald, and who do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, not a lot of outfield depth in uh, in Boston. Uh, I know that the, uh, uh, there was an article on Fangraphs on Friday that talked about how they should trade for Marlon Bird. Uh, I could see someone like that making a lot of sense. I would expect that the Red Sox in addition to picking up as well, we'll look for some kind of low-cost uh, veteran, probably right-handed outfielder, uh, who could potentially even displace McDonald uh, after everyone comes back and be a platoon partner for a guy like Kalish. Um, so, you know, I don't know if the Cubs are willing to eat money to move Marlon Bird, but I think that could be a good fit for Boston. Who do you think is the is the strong side of that right-field platoon this year in Boston? Is it is it Kalish or is it um, or is it Sweeney? I think Sweeney will probably get a little bit more playing time, uh, and uh, that's just a hunch. I mean, I think Kalish is certainly more talented than Sweeney, but, uh, you know, the, the Red Sox didn't acquire Sweeney just to say, okay, you're never going to play. Uh, you know, they like his defense. Uh, he's shown some uh, ability to hit right-handed pitching before, so as a platoon guy, he's not the worst starter in the world. So my guess is Sweeney will get uh, a decent amount of time for at least the first couple months. They'll kind of evaluate what they have, and if he's terrible, they'll replace him. Yeah, I, if I remember correctly, Sweeney has had at least one, maybe two kind of crazy seasons per UZR. Yeah, right. UZR loves Ryan Sweeney. Right, okay. Uh, well, there's that. Uh, you also wrote today about the Tigers uh, sort of in the wake of a season-ending um, injury um, coupled with surgery for Victor Martinez, who, uh, while an excellent defensive player for a catcher, 
was actually slated to be the team's full-time DH, much to the glee, um, at least up till about a week ago, of his uh, fantasy owners, um, who who would be able to just slot him in at the catcher spot as he's you know not having to undergo the wear and tear of catching. Uh, now his fantasy owners um, are not as happy because he's out for the season. As you write, though, the damage probably isn't as great as one might have supposed because while a decent offensive player, you really have to be a pretty good offensive player to to uh, distinguish yourself at the DH spot. Yeah, I mean, I think like, moving Martinez in and of itself isn't the end of the world. I mean, you, you can find a guy who can hit, uh, you know, a 350, 360 Woba and, uh, you know, play a reasonable uh, amount of time at first base or at DH. Uh, without a whole lot of effort, I mean, those guys aren't just laying around. But Carlos Peña is signed for seven and a half million dollars, and that's basically what he is. So, you know, it's not a budget buster where you have to say, okay, uh, we have to go sign Prince Fielder now to replace Victor Martinez. But the problem is now that Peña signed in Tampa Bay, there's not a whole lot of guys like that left. I mean, Casey Kochman had an okay year last year, but no one really expects him to do that again. Uh, you know, there's Johnny Damon, but uh, he's 38 and you know posted a 109 WRC plus last year. That's a pretty significant downgrade from Martinez, and if he craters uh, as a 38-year-old could, then uh, that could be a significant problem. Um, you know, and, and I think the Tigers realistically have uh, some real question marks around the field, and Martinez was one of the things that wasn't a question mark for them. They could kind of count on, you know, a nice, solid three-win player at DH. Uh, now they don't really have that <laughs> solid guy behind Miguel Cabrera, and I, I think that um, unless they do something to improve their lineup, they could be in some trouble. Now, that makes the AL Central probably a little more interesting uh, because I would have guessed, and um, I haven't looked at the projections um, with any great depth thus far, but my guess is that the, the Tigers are the favorite to win that division, um, both in the strength of their offense, but also in the fact that they have a pretty decent rotation now that's kind of, I don't know, if, uh, I mean, too deep with... Well, I mean, it depends how you phrase it. I mean, they have Justin Verlander. He's really good. Yeah. And then they have yeah. guys like uh, uh, Scherzer and, and Fister um, who have excellent moments. They kind of get their different ways, but they certainly have excellent moments. And then Porcello, who's been fine, um, if not necessarily – you know, he hasn't necessarily scaled the heights that we would, one would have expected, though. Right, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's a solid rotation. It's not anything special. Uh, it's one special pitcher, one pretty good pitcher, one guy with some potential, and one guy who uh, hasn't lived up to his potential yet. So there's nothing wrong with their rotation. It's not a, a massive hole, but if their lineup isn't going to hit, then their pitching is going to be pretty special. Right, and their lineup consists of uh, three outfielders, all of whom could could be something you know not that great above, not that far above replacement. Don't mince words, Carson. Their outfielders suck. <laughs> <laughs> Do they know that? Does Dombrowski know well, that? Well, I, I don't. I mean, they offered Delman Young an arbitration on purpose, so they're clearly not aware of the fact that he's terrible. Uh, Austin Jackson is a nice defensive player, but uh, continues to strike out way too much and hit for no power, which is a really bad combination. Um, so he's of questionable value as, a, as your best offensive outfielder. Um, you know, uh, Don Kelly, uh, Brennan Bosch, these guys aren't the worst players in the world, but if they're your best hitting outfielder uh, or competing with Austin Jackson for that title, you've got problems. Well, I mean, Bosch could, he might have the highest floor of the group. Yeah, that's probably true, yes. But he's not a, he's not a superstar as a corner outfielder. I mean, he's a, a not bad hitter. I mean, I don't think Brennan Bosch is 
uh, he, uh, I guess saying that Detroit's outfielders suck is unfair to Brendan Bosch. He doesn't suck. He's just okay. Right, but that's the point. I mean, that if that's your upside is Brendan Bosch in a corner outfield slot, that's rough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. This, this is not a. Those three are not going to provide a lot of offensive value, and in Delman Young's case, he's not going to provide any defensive value either. So uh, <laughs> the Tigers have uh, lots of questions around the outfield. Uh, their third base situation is unclear. They're hoping for a Brandon Inge bounce back, but he's been injured and bad for a while. Uh, and you know, shortstop and catcher, they got career years from Johnny Peralta and Alex Avila. They can't count on getting again. So um, you know, right now their offense is Miguel Cabrera and a lot of hope. Right, and then, I mean, so what does this do for the chances of teams like the Cleveland Indians, who have added uh, Derek Lowe in the offseason, um, and Kevin Slowey, I'm not sure if that means anything, but they have. Um, and I, have a couple I would imagine of, Tigers fans are probably laughing at you for saying that they added Derek Lowe and uh, thinking that's a good thing. But I think it is a good thing. I, I agree that it's a good thing. Derek Lowe has the perception of being really terrible. Well, he, it's, I think it's because he gets so sweaty. He looks... Well, it's also because he gives up a lot of runs. Well, he has done that a little bit. But I think that, uh, he's another player, though, uh, just based on his ground balls. Like, his his yeah. his floor is decently high because, he's you know, he's only going to give up a certain amount of home runs over the course of the season. I mean, Aaron Cook right. was serviceable for years uh, with you know st- while striking out and walking a pro- approximately the same number of guys. Yeah, the fascinating thing with Lowe is that his – He's consistently underperformed his peripherals, uh, especially in regards to strand rate. His strand rates have been among the worst in the league for, I think, three years running now. Uh, he just uh, has, has been awful with men on base. And so uh, whether that's a skill or not, I mean, I think certainly makes sense that some pitchers would be uh, below average pitching from the stretch compared to the norm. And maybe Lowe's one of those guys where when there's no one on base, he's pretty good. And when there's people on base, he's terrible. I mean, then that's what the numbers suggest. And so... You know, uh, I think that adding Derek Lowe is uh, a stabilizer to the rotation. He'll give you 200 innings. He's he's a workhorse, but uh, the question of the quality is probably up in the air. So, so who's your? So are the Tigers still your number one in the Central? Yeah, but basically by default. I mean, the piece I wrote today wasn't trying to say that the Tigers are screwed and they can't win the division. I think they probably will still win the division, especially if they make a move to upgrade their roster. Um, but uh, the, the Indians and Royals just aren't very good. I mean, they're probably 500-ish teams or somewhere in that range, and they're your main competition. So the Tigers, even if they're only an 86 or 87-win team right now, which is kind of where I'd peg them, uh, you know, that gives them a six-game advantage over their next closest competitor, which is a pretty nice lead, but it's only six games uh, ahead of two mediocre teams. Yeah, it, it's really helpful to have superstar-level players, isn't it? I mean, if you have Miguel Cabrera on your team, and then, of course, Justin Verlander on your team, you don't have to do, like, a lot else. Well, you got to do something else. <laughs> you have to do something else, but you could, but you could, you're 500 team pretty easy then. Uh, I don't know if that's true. So, I mean, like, uh, if you project uh, Cabrera and Verlander for absolute peak seasons with perfect health, you're probably going to get 15 more from those two. So it's seven or eight or seven and a half each or whatever. I mean, that's kind of their ceilings is 15 war from those two players. Right. So, you know, baseline team of replacement level players is about 43 wins. So 23 replacement level guys and those two is 58 wins. All right. All right. You, come on. you, you, you need, you're, you need you're 20 perverting, or 25 You're wins. perverting my statement. I just saying it's nice to have those guys because they fill up, they fill up a lot of wins. I mean, the, you know, the Indians, for example, um, and the Royals, they have a lot of interesting pieces. 
right? I mean, like the Royals have a team full of interesting pieces. Maybe not so, so much you're in, on the starting. Your statement is that like having two superstars is good. I guess that's. I guess that's the crack analysis I was providing. If that is the point you're providing, then I will not disagree. <laughs> I will just just point out that that's a, not the most insightful thing I ever said on the podcast. Well, like, yeah, not not for 2012, but I mean, like, maybe in, like, like if I had said that to Henry Chadwick, maybe, inventor of the box score. That would have been a really awesome insight 150 years. Revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would have changed the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Lou Gehrig guy. You should roster him. Until, yeah, he's okay. Yeah, he's all right. Well, uh, yeah, I think I, I th- yeah I think my uh, my capacity for analysis is running thin. But so we'll bid you adieu. Do you have anything to add? Is there anything you need to uh, um, learn the people about baseball? Uh, I don't know about baseball, but I will plug my uh, appearance on Clubhouse Confidential in a few hours. I'm assuming this will go out before the show actually airs. Uh, so look for me to do more blinking today. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have a blink watch. Maybe that will be it. Yeah. Oh, I'll announce this on Knockgraphs too. Blink watch 2012. Fantastic. Yeah. I'll, I'll try and look somewhat human after being told that I was. Uh, uh, actually, a couple of you have said that I look like I was a mess. Uh, apparently, people on on mess don't blink. So uh, I'm going to try to look like a non-drugged out human being today. Yeah, but don't, I wouldn't I wouldn't belabor it though. You want your attention to be on answering Brian Kenny's questions. Okay, well, I'll make that a secondary goal to not looking drugged out. Okay, yeah. Smart smart man. Uh, all right. Hey, Dave Cameron, well, thanks for joining us from, I guess, from High Point, North Carolina? Uh, yeah, I'm actually in High Point right now because I asked for the studio that they take these things back. So I don't live in High Point, and I wouldn't want to live in High Point. I have before, and I'm glad I moved. No, that's the point uh, I was making. I know you're in High Point because that's where the recording yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. I'm in, I'm in High Point waiting for the studio to... Open up, and uh, then I'll go sit there for a while, and uh, it'll be fun. Yeah. All right, man. Take care. That's Dave Cameron. I'm Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio. Audio.